I'm black and I'm proud. Hey, it's MLK Day. It's appropriate, right? Do I not have the permission to play this? <laughs> Is it a point of my privilege? James Brown. Love James Brown, man. Okay. I'm black and I'm proud. MLK Day. Uh... He had a dream, and the dream was not about this. You know, I, I saw this little clip, and it's uh, it looks like it's AI-generated. Maybe I should have started the show with this. It's like AI-generated. It's somebody put in the prompts. Um, Epstein, Epstein Island commercial or something like that. Here, check this out. I don't know who did this. Let me start from the top. It's Friday. Stop working. Start drinking. Michael Jackson, Oprah. Is that Hunter? Little DiCaprio. Little Celine Dion singing. It's so good. I don't know where that came from. The creepy stuff you find on the internet. Anyways, uh, there's a lot of stuff going on today. We are going to hit some of it. Uh, I think my shot's a little too tight. I think I look like a big head for those of you watching the YouTube uh, channel. Anyways, hey, screw it. Uh, I thought this was interesting. This is first off from pollster Frank Luntz. And it's amazing because the reporter asked him basically if you had $150,000 to pick who's going to win the, uh, the next election, presidential election, who would you pick? And he begrudgingly begrudgingly says Trump, but it pains him. You see the pain in his eyes, this poor man having to say that it's Trump. Here we go. Let's take a listen to Mr. Uh, Polster here. $150,000. If you had to bet $150,000 on who's going to win in November, who would you bet on? I never dreamed that I would say this, but I would bet on Trump. I never, I thought it was done. I thought it was over. You don't come back from an impeachment. You don't come back from January 6th. You don't come back from any of this. But he's come back. The guy's a survivor. And his opponent is having so much trouble that I would, at this point, give the edge to Trump. Boom, there you have it. And that is amazing. It is amazing that somebody has made it back from the impeachment process, uh, from being in multiple lawsuits across the country, and just trying to be defamed by mainstream media and the, the powers that be, the deep state of uh, Washington, D.C. How is it that somebody comes back, like Trump, in this unprecedented fashion? Because I believe he's going to win. I, be I believe when the election comes around, he's going to win. Why is it? How did this happen? Well... Well, there's some variables here. I think the American people have stood up. They've realized that this is a, a hoax. This is a hoax. This is an attack against an outsider coming in, somebody that is outside of the deep state of Washington, D.C., that is willing to switch things up, change things up, and go against the grain and not let that, that, that mechanism, that machine in Washington, D.C., that just does whatever it wants. He's, it's somebody that comes in and puts a stop to it. But the, <coughs> the amazing thing is the American people have woken up to it. Right now, right now, I believe the mainstream media could say anything about Trump. 
They could say he was caught in the back alley getting hand jobs from a gorilla. And people aren't going to care because they just look at the mainstream media and just say, this is, this is, this is an attack. This is, this is an attack on our freedom. And they see Trump as somebody coming in there and to, to, on our behalf, to stand up against the machine that is ruining this country. I have noticed that Mr. Trump and a lot of, I've watched a lot of clips of him recently and, you know, he's, he's out there. His face is very, very visible in the public. And it seems like during this time off, somebody must have sat down with Trump and said, hey, these are the reasons why you didn't get elected. This is what the what the public thinks of you. They think you're an arrogant asshole, all this other kind of stuff, because he has toned it back substantially. Now, he's still quick, cunning, going after his opponents and all the other kind of stuff. But the arrogance, to me, it's still there. It's still there, but it feels like he's dialed it back 50%. And that's what the American people, I think, I believe, are going to do this election. They're going to say, you know what? Yeah, we voted him out because of his mean tweets. And, you know. That's to say if the voting system was even accurate, okay? Maybe he wasn't voted out, but that's a whole different conspiracy that we're not going to get into. But there was a sentiment across the United States that this guy is just not presidential. He's just not presidential. He's not, he doesn't come across with that flair of a president, like the flair that Obama had or other presidents before him. But I think people are willing to look past it now. They're realizing that there's things that are more important than a mean tweet from a president. There's things that are more important than a president who can be an arrogant a-hole. There's things that are more important, such as the things that matter to me as a U.S. citizen, such as money in my pocket, such as, you know, the economy, where we're going in the future, uh, you, you know, needless attacks on our civil liberties and our freedoms. And I think America's waking up. I think they're waking up. And like I said, I think no matter what smear campaign comes out between here and the elections, I believe that Trump's going to get it. Now, I wish it was somebody else other than Trump. Like I said, I'm not, I'm not a huge Trump fanboy. I'm not. But I do believe 100% that he's better than what we've had going on with this Biden administration. By far. By far. Now, here's a little funny. Here's a little funny. Here's DeSantis. Uh, somebody poking a little fun at DeSantis. And we'll watch how he handles it. Good thing DeSantis' wife is there to uh, uh, at least say something because DeSantis was definitely dumbfounded by this little uh, this little trickery that happened to him. But I, I think it's hilarious. Maybe you've seen it. Maybe you haven't. Here we go. Uh, this is at some type of a press thing that DeSantis is doing, and a guy just walks up and does I, this. going to stop us. Uh, real quick, before we get started, thank you, everyone. Governor DeSantis, I want to present to you this participation <laughs> trophy. <laughs> Probably not going to win the election, right? But we're proud of you for trying. There you go. Sorry, buddy. He's special and he's unique and he's our little snowflake. Yeah, look at his wife looking for security. Nothing's going to stop us. So good. So good. Oh, man. Man, whoever this guy is giving DeSantis a participation trophy is just classic comedy. Classic comedy. Okay, now we're going to start into the real stories, okay? Uh, first off, we've got uh, the CEO of United Airlines. Now, last week, we went into this whole thing about the competition, this 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 ongoing competition amongst the airlines to portray themselves as the gayest airline out there. And I'm going to get to that in a second. First, we're going to let the CEO of United talk about diversity, and I'll tell you how the CEO of United might be winning the gold medal for the uh, Gay Airline Olympics. And you're going to want to see these photos, but <laughs> it's good. It's good. It's good. 
Uh, so here we go. Here we go with the uh, CEO of United talking about what is, is important. Diversity and diversity to United Airlines working into the Aviate Academy. We have committed that 50% of the class of, of the classes will be women or people of color. Uh, today, only 19% of our pilots at United Airlines are women or people of color. And by the way, from all the data I've seen, that's the highest of any airline in the country. White males don't just dominate in the cockpits, also in the C-suite at United Airlines. Well, look, at United, I'm proud of the diversity that we actually have in our, our C-suite. I think if you look around corporate America. Correct me if I'm saying though, so I, this is just based off your website, the people you list as executives, but out of 11 people, three are women. I believe one is a person of color. Um, that's correct. Um, but, you know, in corporate America, I think, you know. That's a low bar. How do you yeah. raise your own bar? Oopsie. Well, a lot of this is, you know, focusing on it. We have uh, programs to, one of the things we do is for every job when we do an interview, we require women and people of color to be involved in, in the interview process, bringing people in early in their careers um, as well, uh, and giving them those opportunities uh, and creating a stronger bench. Okay. Okay. Diversity. Diversity is on the on the forefront of so many major companies these days. Uh, United Airlines being one of them, <clears throat> and it's very interesting. They said they're uh, bringing them on early in their careers and and mandating that when they're doing the interview process that they have to interview a woman and people of color and all this other kind of stuff. Here's the thing about diversity, and when it comes into the airlines and jobs where people's lives are in danger or could be in danger. If you have cancer and you go in to see a brain surgeon and it's a very delicate surgery, you do not care. Diversity goes right out the freaking window. Nobody cares what ethnicity their doctor is. The only thing they care about is as long as it's the most qualified person to deal with their issue when it comes to their life. And I think a lot of Americans, a lot of people out there feel the same way about their families when they're flying the friendly skies, right? It, it, there, there, there comes a point where things are so important when lives are at stake Making a woke statement about diversity in your hiring practices, nobody cares about that. The only thing people care about when it comes to safety of their families and their loved ones is the most qualified people for the job. But United Airlines here is saying, eh, maybe, you know, but it's not just United. It's not just United. The FAA is on board with this. Boeing is on board with this. Uh, here, let me skip ahead. Uh, because I, I hardly recognize that CEO because I'm used to seeing him uh, like this. Hold on. There we go. There he is. It, it could have been Halloween. He could be in. He could be in drag for Halloween. Uh, I don't know if this is Halloween. Look at that face. It's hard to recognize a guy when he has tits. Um, but yeah, that's the CEO we were just listening to. So uh, you know, he, he's he's on a fast track to win uh, for the most tolerant gayest airline. Um, but let's just skip ahead. Here's the Wall Street or the New York Times saying that the end of all milk, all white cockpit airlines are struggling. They're struggling to find enough pilots and to diversify a profession that has been very resistant to change. Well, you still better hire the most qualified people to fly your planes. I'm just saying that now. The first time we have a big accident, 170 people go down in a plane because it's pilot error because of an unexperienced pilot or un unexperienced traffic controller. Uh, diversity is going to go right out the window. But here's coming back to this. This is Boeing. Now, this is a Boeing. Uh, it's a proxy statement that they made uh, regarding their executives and their annual incentive plans. And 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 it's it's a filing with the SEC. And it's in it and it and it shows what their operational performance, what their mandates were, what their focus was, and how it's changed from 2021 to 2022. Now, Boeing. This is the same company that's had a door fly off one of their planes and they're kind of in hot water and they've lost a lot of money over it. But look at this 
in 2021, what was their goals? Product safety, employee safety, and quality. Now, that's what it should be. You're an airline. Product safety should be paramount at all times. Employee safety, that's a good one. Uh, more so concerned with the product sa safety. But look how they changed things up in 2022. And this is from Boeing. What are their, what are their, what are their focuses now? Climate, diversity, equity, inclusion. Still product safety, employee safety, and quality, but underneath that, they added the climate, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Well, you better keep that product safety number one because if you have planes flying out of the sky uh, just because you had a diverse mechanic on it, it's going to be an issue. So that's Boeing. We have United. We have Boeing. Now let's look at the FAA. What is the FAA saying? Well, according to Fox News, FAA's diversity push includes focus on hiring people with, oh my God, Severe intellectual and psychiatric disabilities. The FAA says people with severe disabilities are the most underrepresented segment of the federal works, workforce. No freaking kidding. No freaking kidding. Yeah, so, so this isn't McDonald's. This isn't a, this isn't a, uh, you know some kid with a learning disability cleaning tables and and throwing toys in a Happy Meal. This is the Federal Aviation Authority right here. Severe intellectual and psychiatric disabilities. I can just imagine now. I can just imagine now. My flight gets canceled. I have to go up to the counter. And because the FAA and United and everybody else wants to, you know, I have to deal with a handicapped, severely handicapped, mentally uh, 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 psychiatric disabilities at the desk trying to get me another plane. Are, are these people off their rocker? It's... <laughs> I don't know if, if the airline, because you've got the, the airline manufacturer, you've got the, 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 the airline companies, you've got the FAA, everybody jumping on board for this nonsense. You got to go back to the most qualified people to fill positions. And, and that's it. Bar none, anything other than the most qualified person to fulfill a job role. And if you're basing it on the color of their skin, if you're basing it on their psychiatric disability, that's just bias on a whole different kinds of levels, man. I'll tell you what. Oh, I'm going to skip this one. I, I have, I'm going to skip this story. I'm not even going to show it to you. I'm not even going to Okay, I'll show it to you. I'll show it to you. I'll show it to you because this could be the next pilot of your, well, she's not a minority. Well, she could be a minority. This could be your next pilot. I am finally getting my banana split later this year. I talked to my surgeon on the phone and this is how he's going to do it. Step one is, of course, to split the banana. Inside the banana, we find a small tube of red licorice. You know this tube. It's the one that transports caramel sauce and frosting. We're actually going to shorten this tube and I will show you why later. Next up, we're going to move our way back to the ice cream bag that is holding the two maraschino cherries and we're going to remove them. I already had mine removed last year, but if I had right, they'd I be removed now. It. Okay. Next well, up, we're going. That's that's your quality hire. Some some psychologically diverse. Well, she's not of color. Otherwise, she'd be flying a seven forty seven. Uh, I give up. I give up on the society. Let's move along to another topic. What do we got next? Oh, okay. So, uh, as we know, Texas. Texas brought in the Texas National Guard to start protecting their border. I speculated last week that maybe they're just going to hold them there and hope that they turn around and go back. 
Um, but the White House is somewhat getting involved. Now, we know Jean-Pierre, the press secretary, has said previously that, oh, what's standing in the way of our border protection is the Republicans. The Republicans are what's what. what and, and when this administration has come in and tore down uh, border walls made out of containers, they've 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 removed razor wire just to make it so that it's an express lane, an express lane, the bean train coming in across the border. That's racist. I can't say that. Anyways, Jean-Pierre is at it once again, and she's saying that Biden has tools. And we're going to get into some of those tools that he's using this weekend, some emergency filings at the Supreme Court. Uh, but here's Jean-Pierre talking about. He has tools that he's used to, to make sure that we do this. We actually deal with the immigration system in a humane way uh, and in a, in a way that is uh, uh, that actually deals with what we're seeing at the border. And that's why you've seen the parolee program be so successful. Uh, it has, it has, um, it has uh, uh, when it comes to illegal migration, you've seen it come down uh, by more than 90%. And that's because of this act, the oh, actions that this president has taken. He has tools. Okay, so he has tools. What are the, some, some of the tools that they're using? Well, this paper's floating around on X, and this is the uh, filing. Allegedly, it's a filing. I don't know whether to believe this or not because it is on X, but it's a filing with the Supreme Court of the United States. It's from the Department of Homeland Security, and it's versing the state of Texas. And it's basically a supplemental memorandum regarding emergency application to vacate the injunction pending appeal. In other words, long story short, it's trying to go against what Texas is doing and what what Texas has done with their uh, 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 state National Guard on the border turning people away. And we speculated about this, you know, on Thursday or Friday that maybe the the, the National Guard is just not going to hand over these people to the uh, Border Patrol, but just basically make a human fence and not allow people in. And it appears, it appears that that is exactly what they're doing. Here's some video of it down on the border. Uh, you see them lined up there. It's just like a little traffic jam coming across the border and a little hole in the razor wire and the, the, uh, National Guard just standing there, not letting them in. Um, some people are swimming back across the Rio Grande here. They're waiting across. Okay, yeah, we get that. I got another video here. Let's pull that one up. And that's uh, them being a little more roughhousing or, you know, a little char more charismatic. When's the last time you saw somebody grabbed at a border like that? About time, right? So I think the idea here, the motivation is just to stand, make a wall at the border uh, and just not let people cross and hope in hopes that they turn around. And, you know, it's 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 the Biden administration's fault that people feel like they're entitled to cross this border. Uh, it's been such an open highway for people to come across and all of a sudden it's getting shut down. I feel bad for these people uh, because they've made these treks, these journeys from who knows where. But at the same time, they're illegal. Illegal. It's called illegal immigration. You can try and wokeify it and call it all different kinds of things, but it's illegal border crossing. No other countries allow people just to come freely into their country like the United States has. Okay, but how are they handling it in Maine? Maine, which is probably one of the furthest states from the problem. Well, uh, Maine. Now, I want you, as you watch this video, I want you to remember whenever they say government subsidies, government, government, government paying for projects, that's you. That's you. That's your tax dollars. That's who's paying for this. Uh, here we go in Maine. It's the grand opening of, I believe, a, how many units is it? The people let's showed listen. up this morning to the grand opening of new apartments at the Brunswick Landing. These units were built specifically to house asylum seekers as they wait to receive their work permits, which can take months. There will be 60 apartments total here serving 60. this purpose. 24 of them are ready now.
estate. Government will essentially pay the rent for two years. After that, the buildings will convert to market rate and affordable housing units. Some asylum seekers have already moved in and say this option of transitional housing is much better than living in a hotel or at a shelter. In hotel, uh, there's rules and regulations, and uh, in a shelter too, we have so many people. We share kitchen together, we share the uh, restroom together. This is a very unique solution to a very exciting opportunity in our state. We a unique solution to a very, very exciting opportunity. Well, that's one way of reframing it. We have it. thousands of folks coming to Maine who want to make Maine home, and we're doing everything we can to uh, help that situation. Dozens of people showed up this morning. Okay, yeah, it's repeating. We got it. Okay, uh, yeah, so that's going on in Maine. Maybe if, uh, you know, Governor Abbott would send some busloads up to Maine, maybe they would change their tune really quick. But right now, it's a, it's a, it's an excellent, excellent uh, solution to a great opportunity, according to Maine. I think, Abbott, you need to charter some buses and go to Texas. Uh, here's another incident. Now, this is in a different, this is in Spanish, so I'm just going to turn it down. In, uh, Basically, it's a street reporter asking this guy where he lives. He lives in the Roosevelt Hotel in New York City. They're serving him breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And who's paying for it? Government. Government's paying for it. You're paying for it. It's you. Oh, I guess I can pull the image up. My bad. He's been there for seven months. And it's free with the help of the government. Okay, 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 okay. So that's going on. You've got Maine building a 60-unit apartment complex. You've got uh, government officials or government, somebody in the government putting illegals up in the Roosevelt Hotel. Uh, now, here we go. This is a little different sidetrack, but this is the mayor of Chicago who is... He's a class act when it comes to avoiding questions. And here we watch him stumbling around for two minutes with a reporter basically asking him, are you going to raise property taxes or raise other taxes to pay for this immigration problem that we have in Chicago? And then we're going to go on next to the governor of Illinois and listen to what he has to say. You added a tax to help pay for the migrant crisis. Here's what I've said repeatedly. This is an international crisis. And we've that heard requires, you say that. Okay, so so then 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 you know the answer then. Well, the no, federal government. The answer, the, I asked, the answer are you is, adding a tax? The, the answer is the federal government has to do its job. And what if we don't? Well, look, there are thirty thousand Ukrainians in this city right now, who sought asylum, who were refugees. What's the difference between that crisis and the crisis that we're experiencing now? So this is not an unprecedented demand. There were services that were attached to individuals who were seeking asylum from the Ukraine, and the federal government acted. And so my question is, and it's the question that everybody is raising, what's the difference between those who are seeking asylum in this country, 30,000 of whom are in the city of Chicago, what's the difference between Ukrainian refugees and those who are seeking asylum from Central and South America. Right, but that's not the question that the people of Chicago are asking. The people of Chicago want to know, will you raise a tax, whether it be a property tax or implement something else? Well, it's interesting. No this. one has ever asked me well, you're being asked right now. if I'm going to raise a tax. In fact, in fact, I did not raise property taxes. And still, without raising property taxes, a full investment in, ho in homelessness, a quarter of a billion dollars, $100 million for violence prevention. We're going to open up mental health clinics. We've eliminated sub-minimum wage. Black and brown women who were tip workers, 
We're talking about tip workers that's attached to slavery. We abolished that in this in this city. We've also added paid cost? time off for thousands of workers. We're investing in people. My administration has not missed a beat. We have built an operation centered around people's humanity to, to respond to this international crisis that the federal government has been negligent in. And while doing all of that, I've still kept every single promise that I was going to invest in people. So you can commit to you not raising property taxes, regardless of how bad the situation gets? My budget? The $16.77 billion that I just passed, 41 alders, I believe, supported this, this, this budget. He ain't going to answer. And we did all of that without raising property taxes. That's a, that's a non-answer. That's a non-answer. He's not going to answer it. So that's what we got. Two minutes of him avoiding the question. Uh, I, I, I added up $350 million right there. That was taxpayer dollars that were going to all of his programs. <clears throat> so let's, let's see what the governor of Chicago has to say, because uh, this is Governor uh, J.B. Pritzker. And now, now, let me mind you before I play this, that this is a governor that signed into legislation making Illinois the most welcoming state to migrants. Okay, that's what he did when he was in his woke phase and wanting to appease everybody and be a fanboy of the public and saying, all oh, immigrants come here to Illinois. Well, now he's kind of changing his tune, and it's a big change of tune because he's saying... Well, forget about what I said in the past. This is what I'm saying now. Not enough has been done. There's no doubt about that. And I think that the president needs to do more. The Congress needs to do more. Uh, cities out here that are the target of this political game that Governor Abbott is playing uh, are suffering. And uh, here in Illinois. Wait, 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 wait. Political game that government Governor Abbott is. What about the game you were playing when you were welcoming your state of Illinois? to be this 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 wonderland for migrants. You were playing the game too, buddy. You were playing the game too. Abbott down there in Texas, he's just playing by the rules and he's targeting idiots like you that open up your doors widely. So, you know what? You got to live with your past mistakes. No, it's minus 29 degrees uh, outside with the wind chill. Uh, we have migrants that arrive from Texas virtually every day, uh, hundreds, and uh, we don't have places to put them. We don't have enough shelter space here. There are plenty of other cities where, you know, if he's going to send people, they could be sent. But no, he's choosing only Democratic states, Democratic cities. Not enough. Democratic states, Democratic cities that are ran by these morons that said, hey, we stand for this. This is what we want. We are the we are the utopia for migrants. Okay, I'm. Jeez, I'm gonna play this little clip. Cat Williams, who has been tearing up in social media as far as being on there for all kinds of stuff. Apparently, apparently, and I'm gonna try and fast forward through this because this is a long clip. It's like four and a half minutes, well, five minutes long. But it's Cat Williams. Apparently, somebody on the front row of of one of his shows was holding a Mexican flag. And apparently it pissed him off somehow. Here we go. Let cat tell you. Come on, pimp, say something. him okay all right he's got more he's got more it takes a little while to get to it but he's got more (laughs) 
for those of you listening to the audio, he's referring to these two bald, looks to be Hispanic characters that are in the front row that were waving a Mexican flag. They don't show the Mexican flag. Okay. I'm not sure what prompted Well, that might affect some of the demographics of Cat Williams' future shows. Uh... It is amazing. It is amazing how people that risk their lives, immigrants risk their lives to come here. And then there's other people that are here that just want to, it's, it's, it's one thing to have pride in your heritage. It's one thing to have pride in your heritage. You're from Mexico, Poland, wherever. It's one thing to be prideful of where you're from, but this whole attitude that is prevalent today of, you know, I, I I'm here, I'm enjoying all the freedom and Liberty. What's left of it that America has to offer me, but I'm going to talk shit and you know, I don't know. It got underneath cat skin. That's for sure. That's for sure. Okay, we're going to switch gears here. We're going to go to some COVID stories. So uh, if you remember last week, we were talking about how uh, myocarditis, we had the um, that little clip of that of the man from the U.S. Navy that was going over the statistics, and they were saying that you know heart failure in the military is up nine over 900%. I forget what the actual number was, but it's over 900%. Uh, from companies like Pfizer and Moderna, and the link is, you know, it's left for speculation, but the link is probably, well, this heart failure over 900%, it's got to be related to the vaccine, right? And then we also did the stories last week where the new var- variant of uh, COVID is uh, has implication of, of sudden heart failure, right? It seems like maybe, maybe it's a sleight of hand. Maybe they're just going to say, oh, all these people dropping dead out of the middle of nowhere. It's because it's the new variant. Well, one company that is hedging their bets in a big way is Pfizer. Pfizer is investing billions in treatments for coming heart failure pandemic. What happened is they basically bought another drug company that makes drugs specifically target, targeted for myocarditis, uh, heart failure. Um, so it's crazy because one hand... They're giving you the COVID, which it looks, it's it's appearing to be, and scientific research is proving to be, uh, that this COVID vaccines is causing myocarditis in, you know, people. And now they're hedging their bets by buying the company that pres- that makes the drugs to uh, fight myocarditis. And here's a little bit of Alex Jones. This is still on the COVID, uh, the COVID idea talking about this new X. X, X, unknown, unknown uh, disease that is apparently coming in our way, and they're discussing it in depth at Davos. Here we go. Now, what is disease X? That's a name for a disease never existed. And if you talk to the virologists, the experts, they say that's not known for hundreds of years. And most of the diseases that they have recently found, they find later in bodies they dig up, existed before. And it's very rare to find a new disease. 
So when you hear disease X, they mean the laboratory-made synthetic viruses gain-of-function operations. So now they are in a crescendo with corporate media, the UN, the WEF, Bill Gates, the New World Order saying that the release of a new virus is imminent and is going to happen. Now, they did this just months before they released COVID-19 that was made in a lab, that was five viruses combined, that did cause respiratory illnesses if you didn't have enough vitamin D, but they made it synthetic so they could own the vaccine response that they'd already made. And that all came out later. We'll be going over it again tonight. Okay. Uh, Alex Jones, who's been right on, you know, a lot of things. And, uh, yeah. X. There's been a lot of talk about this new X disease that's going to strike America that's going to be 10 times more deadly than COVID and all this other kind of stuff. There's just a lot. I don't know. There's a lot of smoke out there. Where the fire is, I don't exactly know. Uh, but let's let's skip to this one right here, and because this is Fauci talking about COVID, talking about myo myocarditis, heart disease, heart failure, and he admitted, you know, a while back that yeah, that's a side effect of the vaccine. Again, we have experience with this type of vaccine in billions of people. It's a safe vaccine. Of course, with the mRNA, there's a very, very, very low risk, particularly in young men, of getting a myocarditis. But if you look at the Young men, like military age, like military age, where heart failure is up 900, over 900 <laughs> percent. All right, here we go. Here's here's again. Here, here's here's where this next outbreak will most likely come from. The British government has unveiled a new vaccine research facility where scientists are working to prevent future pandemics. It's located at Porton Down, a high security research facility best known for its work on chemical warfare. Experts are preparing for what is known as disease X or the next pandemic virus. Our health correspondent Dominic Hughes was given rare access to the facility. The delicate task of protecting the nation's health. This is one of the laboratories at Porton Down where scientists are analysing current threats, new variants of COVID, for example, and trying to identify new ones. Inside these purpose built labs, more than 200 scientists working for the UK Health Security Agency are helping to develop and test vaccines against a range of diseases. It's vital work to keep us all safe. Okay, we get that. So they're preparing for the future. They're preparing for the next, the next uh, societal ending disease where we all get locked down again. Uh, I, I get it. Be prepared. Uh, but also on this COVID, as we're in this whole COVID rabbit hole right now, I want to I want to go to this article or this interview of Dr. Martin. And Dr. Martin was talking about how the vaccine uh, and other alternative. Uh, medicines against COVID were ruled out in order to only make the vaccine a viable product for these big companies like Pfizer. Uh, here we go. Let's take a listen. We should have recognized that when treatment was being suppressed, and by the way, not hypothetical treatment, published treatment, when that was being suppressed, we should have gone, hold on a minute. It sounds like there's a racket here. Somebody's suppressing real treatment options and they're suppressing it so that they can justify an emergency medical countermeasure that can only be authorized if there are no treatment options. 
How funny is it that Johns Hopkins University, that's right, named for Johns Hopkins, the guy who actually popularized hydroxychloroquine for the treatment of malaria. How ironic is it that the very institution funded by the Rockefeller Foundation to celebrate Johns Hopkins, how ironic is it that that Johns Hopkins University was able to turn on its own namesake and say hydroxychloroquine is dangerous? The school has its name because hydroxychloroquine is safe. That's why it has its name. The CDC used to be, before it became the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, the U.S. Malaria Suppression Program in Atlanta, Georgia, which did what? Advocate for the distribution of hydroxychloroquine. This is one of those things where you sit back and you go, the audacity of the crime is what's surprising. Not the existence or absence of a disease or the existence or the absence of a pathogen. The thing that's shocking, truly shocking, is how audacious the criminals are and how blind the public is to reading the information that is right in front of their face in preference to trying to find a motivation for how bad people in government could possibly do anything as bad as what I've just described. Okay, so... I don't want to reiterate everything the guy just said, but you understand what he's saying. The, 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 the reason why all these drugs that were already around, the ones that, you know, uh, I'm blanking on the name, uh, but the malaria drug and everything, the one that Joe Rogan used, the one that Donald Trump endorsed and Elon Musk to fight COVID, the reason why it was suppressed so hard by the scientists, Fauci, the mainstream media, is because they had to suppress it because if there was an alternative drug already on the market to help you fight COVID, they couldn't come out with their COVID vaccines and make a, gaz- a gazillion biz- bazillion dollars off of our tax dollars paid through the government. Uh, it's very menacing. It's very menacing. It's very corrupt of what's going on. Now, I wanted to do this story the other day, and it's all these doctors. Now, right now, there's been 3,400 peer-reviewed papers and growing of scientists, doctors coming out and just talking about the ills of the COVID vaccine, the spike proteins. We had the doctor on. We, we played his uh, a little clip the other day where he's talking about the spro- uh, spike proteins in the testicles and the lack of active sperm, uh, how it's uh, really affecting males. We had the military doctor talking about 900 plus percent raise in heart failure in the military amongst young men that were mandatory to be vaccinated. Well, here's another doctor talking. This is Dr. Peter McCullough. It was known then that the spike protein was lethal. And to give a genetic code for a potentially lethal protein that was devised in a Chinese biosecurity lab to Americans was the most dangerous proposition our government agencies could have ever put forward to our country. And what we've learned on this is uh, extraordinary. Castriuta and colleagues has published the messenger RNA is physically circulating in the blood for at least 28 days. That's as long as they've looked. Mm. Crossan and colleagues from Harvard has shown the messenger RNA is stuck in the human heart 30 days after the vaccine when people die. And there's inflammation around it, presumably due to the spike protein. Rolkin and colleagues from Stanford have shown the messenger RNA is stuck in human lymph nodes for at least two months, and that's as long as they've looked. Now, the spike protein, which is produced by the messenger RNA, 
is widely circulatory in blood and shown by Harvard, by Ogata and colleagues, Swank, and recently Brogna in Germany. Now, Brogna in Germany looked six months afterwards, and at least half the people who took the shots had vaccine spike proteins circulating in their bloodstream. That's as long as they've looked. And they can identify it because Pfizer and Moderna have an amino acid signature on their spike protein to let us identify. We know that it's Pfizer and Moderna. It doesn't come from the natural virus. It's coming from the vaccine. That's proven. The spike protein now, in 3,400 peer-reviewed papers and growing, is proven to cause heart damage and myocarditis our regulatory agencies agree. Every regulatory agency in the world agrees. There's actually guidelines now in the UK and Australia about how to diagnose and manage vaccine myocarditis. That's how common this is. It accelerates atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease, causes tremendous swings in blood pressure and heart rate called posterior atherostatic tachycardia syndrome or POTS, causes neurologic injury, stroke, both ischemic and hemorrhagic, Paralyzing syndromes, including Guillain-Barre syndrome, small fiber neuropathy, ear ringing. It causes blood clots. The spike protein is physically found in blood clots. The largest blood clots that we've ever seen in clinical medicine, typically a blood clot that someone would get after a hip surgery or on an airplane would be a centimeter or so. It's common in my practice. Yesterday, I saw patients with 15, 17, two feet blood clots in their legs. Oh my God. After the vaccine, we see blood clots both on the arterial side and on the venous side. This is distinctly unusual. The body is set up after the vaccine to form blood clots. And this is particularly harmful in people with a predilection to blood clots or other provocateurs, hip surgery, uh, smoking, supplemental estrogens, prolonged immobility, uh, etc. Okay. Yeah. What, what, what can I say about this? He's talking about Harvard, Stanford, everybody come out and saying the same thing. This blood clot thing is ridiculous. Myocarditis. It's bad, but Hey, good thing. Pfizer's hedging its bets and buying another drug company that makes the drugs to uh, fix the myocarditis. Uh, yeah. Yeah. They're smart little bastards, aren't they? Smart, smart, smart. It's really pathetic what this government has mandated on its people. Uh, for a lot of people, it's been a death sentence, and that's not messing around. That's not joking. It's been a death sentence to many people. Uh, there's a UFC fighter, Anthony Smith, and he's claiming that a COVID jab gave him blood clots and killed his mother. He also looks like the hunchback in Notre Dame. Obviously, this picture was taken after a fight. Um, and who's talking about this and talking about the liability and who should be responsible? Well, there's one guy out there that's doing it, and he's wearing his high heel cowboy boots, and that is Mr. Uh, DeSantis. He actually has something to say on this whole topic, and let's just give a little listen to what he's saying, because he's the only one that I'm really hearing talking about it as far as liability. The ban on gain-of-function research was lifted under the Trump administration, um, which was a big mistake. So, so you have that. If you if you criticize the mask mandates, they would take it down. School closures and having schools open. I mean, I got filleted for doing for having schools open. It was absolutely the right thing to do. But you know, the thing was, is after a month, it was clear the sky didn't fall. I thought every state would have schools open at that point, and they didn't because you had this information cocoon that had been created. So I think it's one of the biggest failures um, in the modern history of this country. Agreed. Nobody has been held accountable in any way, uh, criminally, uh, administratively, clearing out the bureaucracy, defunding some of the, the bad agencies. Nothing has happened. And here's the thing. 
Uh, I'm the only one running that will bring that accountability. You are not going to have it under Biden because he was complicit. Biden issued an executive order through OSHA that said if you don't get a COVID mRNA shot that was under emergency youth authorization, you could you'd lose your job. They did the same thing through CMS with nurses and medical professionals and even people that had already had COVID and had natural immunity. They still said you would be forced to take it. Now, Florida, we sued and we passed a law blocking the mandates. So we saved tens of thousands of jobs in our state. But now you look at it and these things did not work the way what they, they claimed. It didn't stop you from getting COVID. And then each booster has made you more likely to get COVID. And they do not want to discuss any side effects that have happened with any of these jabs. And first of all, you as a consumer have a right to know if there's a product, what are the pluses and what are the minuses? But they would not allow any discussion of that. They basically told you that they hotwired this thing in like nine months. And then all there are no legitimate questions about it, and you just had to grin and bear it. That's a massive abuse of government power. One hundred percent. So we can't let this stand, and we have to go in and clean house. So we're going to pull a bunch of different levers, uh, but it is going to be a priority because if we don't do this, they will try to do this to us again. We can never. Well, he's talking about it, and everything he's saying right there is absolutely true. Um, I think we're going to look back in the future and we're going to look back on this and it's going to be a very grim, dark mark on the history of the world, uh, this mandatory use of these COVID, un- untested COVID vaccines. And DeSantis is saying something about it. Too bad he doesn't have, uh, he might be able to wear lifts in his shoes, but they're not going to lift him to the uh, president of the United States. And I definitely don't think Trump's going to grab him as a, uh, a vice president. So, um, I mean, I, 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 DeSantis, I think what he's done in Florida, I think he's not the sharpest knife in the drawer, but I think he's done a good job. Uh, What is? It's DeSantis. What are we going to do? Okay, so let's move on. Let's move on to some uh, alternative energy sources. And anybody ever drive, make that drive from Los Angeles to Vegas, and you see that big solar farm out there with all those mirrors that are aiming light towards that center collection thing, and it's just crazy. And it's like, oh, my God, look, this is the future, the future of power. Well... Well, in Nebraska, they have one of those solar farms, too, and it's um, they weren't expecting one little problem. And that problem is that a hailstorm in Nebraska took out the whole freaking thing. 14,000 solar panels into a pile of toxic uh, uh, just debris within minutes from a hailstorm. A hailstorm disaster in Nebraska, USA, reacted immediately and turned a multi-million dollar investment, a solar park, into a pile of toxic debris. Within minutes, hail destroyed 14,000 solar panels with a total capacity of 5.2 megawatts. Oopsie! Oopsie! We didn't see that one coming. We didn't see that one coming. Uh... (laughs) <laughs> and other and other people, this is from Canada, where it's been extremely cold, and the answer to uh, all of our environmental problems has been the electric car, the Teslas. Well, turns out they're not faring too well in the cold. So we're trying to make all this progress. We're trying to do these solar farms. We're trying to do this mere sun energy into a collection. We're trying to do 
wind. Wind seems like it's been the best. It's the most reliable. Uh, and then electric cars, there's a problem there. Here we go. A lot of demand for power and here in downtown Calgary, some evidence of that at the Tesla lot where many people, of course, are trying to get that charge and telling us that their Teslas are only getting about half the mileage as they usually do Oopsie. under these extreme cold conditions. Half um, way to the office take like an all 140 kilometer of the duration. So I have to charge in the middle of the day in order to get back home. And that's just one example of the kind of demand that we are seeing on the grid right now with Albertans trying to keep their increasingly powered lives charged. Alberta's electric system operator says the province set a record for usage yesterday and that supply is increasingly becoming a challenge. The good news is that the sun is shining which will help with solar but a capacity for wind generation in the province which is about 4,500 megawatts Friday morning was sitting at only about 30 to 40 megawatts so that cold just at a standstill across much of Alberta and add to that that two large natural gas generators in the province are currently offline Alberta okay all right we get it so so Tesla the vehicles in the extreme cold are getting about half the range as what they've had. So what do we have to do? We have to charge them. And what is charging them? Coal-fired power plants in Alberta, Canada, Calgary, wherever this was. Uh, they're using uh, gas-powered, and they have some solar, and they have some uh, turbines. But, uh, yeah, man, we've got a big problem. We've got a big problem, and the solutions we've been coming up with aren't really solving it. Um, CO2, you know, CO2 in the atmosphere, green deal. We have to do everything to, you know, get the CO2 out of the atmosphere or wait, or do we? So while we're talking on this same note, uh, this is, let me get his name. Uh, this is Australian broadcaster. He's just a broadcaster, Alan, Alan Jones, not to be confused with Alex Jones. Uh, but he's schooling a panel of zealots on the reality of climate. Now, I'm not one that really jumps into this whole climate debate, but I saw this, I heard this and I'm like, wow, more people need to hear what this guy is saying. So here, take a listen to him. What is climate change? I mean, I think the question that the young lady asked over here is very valid. Young people are highly intelligent, but I wonder whether they're being told, or, which they're entitled to, all the facts in relation to this. Oh when I asked, well, just about, Alice, you, you've been speaking for most of the night. When I, when I, when I asked Tanya Plibersek, was the deputy leader of the Labor Party and the potential deputy prime minister, was carbon dioxide the big issue in relation to climate change? And she said, yes. I then said, well, that being the case, what percentage of the atmosphere is made up of carbon dioxide? What is causing climate change? Is it carbon dioxide? Uh Yes, um, carbon dioxide pollution is a major contributor. Okay, so can I ask you, this is not a, a trick question, what percentage of the Earth's air is carbon dioxide? Oh, I don't know. And I say, hang on, you don't know what percentage of the atmosphere is carbon dioxide, and yet you're prepared to stand the economy on its head to address a problem, the detail of which you don't know. So when I then explain that the percentage of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, Alice, is how much? Reserve. Alice? How much of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere? To answer Alice? the question, Scott Morrison has said he believes in climate much, change Alice, and that much, he wants to do something about Alice, it. Alice, how much carbon dioxide is the problem? How much carbon dioxide is there in the atmosphere? I'm not a scientist. Too much. I don't oh. know. I'm well, a well hang on. If you're going to argue the case, you ought to know. It's 0.04 of a percent. And of that 0.04 of a percent, human beings around the world create 3%. And of that 3%, Australia creates 1.3%. But if carbon dioxide is 0.04% of the atmosphere, and human beings are responsible for 3% of that 0.04%, 
And Australia is responsible for 1.3% of the 3% of the 0.04%. It's like saying there's a granule of sugar on the Harbour Bridge. Clean the bridge up, it's dirty. Surely if a political party doesn't know the quantum of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, what the hell are we standing the economy on its head for? Demonising coal-fired power, driving everyone into renewable energy, which is not available, not reliable and not affordable, plonking us in electric cars, giving us nearly the dearest electricity in the world when we're rich in energy resources, exporting coal so that China and India and Japan can have cheap electricity, and we sit here swallowing this ideological rubbish, putting industry at risk, jobs at risk, and burying the economy. Boom. I... All right. I'm a believer. I'm a believer. He's got me convinced. It, it's amazing because I mean, everything he's saying is true. We've we've upended our economies. We've upended industry uh, all for this. And what what he's saying is just like it's like a grain of sugar on the Golden Gate Bridge for Americans, something you can relate to. It's like a grain of sugar on the Golden Gate Bridge and saying, tear the whole damn thing down because it's filthy. It's such a minute uh, amount that that human civilization is contributing to this CO2 problem, uh, you know, greenhouse gases, all this other kind of stuff. I don't know. I'm not an expert on it. I'm not an expert on it, but I'll tell you what, watching that guy's video, it makes you think, doesn't it? Doesn't it make you think? While we have these other, you know, headlines from the New York Times, you were, you know, one and one day, this is January 2nd, 2024, the end of snow, you know, they're saying that's the end of snow because of global warming. And then they have another headline on January 12th. How can warming climate increase snowfall? Snow covers trees in the past. Uh, they're blaming every, everything. Everything is blamed on global warming. Uh, and they're talking on both sides of the mouth. It's no snow, too much snow. Uh, but it's our fault. It's the CO2 emissions. It's all this other kind of stuff. Oh, look, here's a video of Joe Biden just being creepy. And we're going to get to some uh, some polls in the politics going on right now. But uh, look at this girl's face. I just want you to watch this poor girl's face as creepy Uncle Joe creeps into her personal space. She tries leaning away from him, uh, but he has no restraint whatsoever. And what is this doing to his poll numbers? We're going to find out in a minute. But let's just watch this. I do. I'm sorry. What is he whispering to her? I do. I'm sorry. What does he say? But that girl, that look at the girls. One more time. I do. She's leaning back as far as she can. That smile on her face is like, uh, like if it looks like her parents told her, "Hey, man, if Crazy Uncle Joe shows up, just stay the way, stay the frick away from him." Oh man, uh, just creepazoid. Uh, oh look, another video of him. Like, uh, what, what is this hand doing here? What is this hand doing here? Hold on, let's take a look. Apparently, somebody said this is his granddaughter, but granddaughter or not, this is just weird. Girls, pop on your city. Yeah. You fuck it, I said it. Pop on your city. Girls, pop on your city. Yeah. You fuck it, I said it. Pop on your city. Uh, why? Who puts their hand on a girl's chest? Period. Especially a freaky old man that's been it. it <laughs> He's been caught so many times just being a weird, a weird ass mother trucker, man. He can't resist. I don't know when this was taken. It's burning up on X. It's out there. And I just had to like, you know, whatever. But anyways, let's talk about Mr. Biden. Let's talk about how he's doing in the polls. Um, let's see if he's going to come back. Let's see if he's got a shot against Trump in the next election. Well, here is your voice, your voice. This is Ken. The question is, can Biden's message on economy break through? 
Oh, can it? I don't know. They, they aren't improving. In fact, they seem to be going the, in the other direction. Uh-oh. Our poll this morning has Biden's approval rating at 33 percent. That's historically low, low for him, low for an incumbent president. It's at 15 years since we see numbers that low. And on the economy, it's even actually worse. Only 31 uh, percent say that they approve of Biden's handling of the economy. They, they- oh, bad news for Biden, man. He's he's not making headways going into this election. You know, there's a lot of speculation out there that he's just going to drop out. Who knows? We're going to see. It's going to be interesting, uh, you know, lead up to this election. But Mr. Biden, you know, you can only sniff sniff kids and, you know, act senile for so long. This can come back to haunt you. Uh, The Iowa Iowa GOP matchup, the Iowa caucuses, which is going live tonight, I believe, at uh, 6 o'clock Pacific Coast uh, Standard Time, Pacific whatever you know california time zone the only time zone i care about it's my privilege you're welcome here we go uh here they are going over some of the poll numbers for trump put this trump lead in some perspective here first of all the 48 percent that he's registering here that is the highest share for a republican candidate in a final des moines register poll ever that surpasses the record of 43 percent from george w bush on the eve of the 2000 caucuses bush won those caucuses also the margin trump 48 haley 20 that's a 28 point margin that is also the biggest margin in a final register poll also breaking a record of george w bush of 23 points when he won the caucuses in 2000 so all right so it's predicted that he's going to tear it up in the iowa caucus we shall see i believe he will i believe i like i've said before i believe americans are like especially when it's a Republican caucus. Uh, They're not going to dick around with these other people. They want to make sure they have a sure winner. Whether or not he's going to send mean tweets or not, they don't care. They just know that we got to win this time. We have to, right? Okay, let's move it on. Uh, Oh, this is some other commentary that's going on regarding if if Trump comes back to win. I thought this was kind of interesting. Let's just take a little listen real quick. Are you concerned that Trump might be elected again? I, I think it's very likely. Mm. And if it happens, it is likely to be the kind of like the, the death blow to what remains of the global order. And he says it and he says it openly. Now, again, it should be clear that many of these politicians, they present a false dichotomy, a false binary vision of the world as if you have to choose between patriotism and globalism between being loyal to your nation and being loyal to some kind of, I don't know, global government or whatever. Okay. Yeah. Global government. Yeah. And of course, Trump is against the whole global nonsense that has been pushed out there, uh, severely pushed by the deep state people. You know, that's just a matter of my opinion. Uh, but the global, the, are we going to get an alien invasion? I'm hoping for the alien invasion because I think that's one thing that the, uh, that the, these, these deep state causing all this trouble, all these, uh, Soros and stuff, just, you know, just messing, manipulating society to be in constant chaos. And I believe the one thing that could uh, bring us together into this whole global unified front is an alien invasion. So I'm hoping Hoping for the alien invasion this next year. Uh, my fingers are crossed. I think they've been prepping with us, uh, prepping us for that with all the media that's come out, all these videos and whatever. Alien invasion. It's the only thing that can save the deep state and usher in the global order. Globalist. Just interesting. 
Just interesting. Uh, I did see this video. This is Trump in Iowa delivering some pizzas. And I was just trying to imagine, you know, what if Biden was doing this? He would have fell like 20 times trying to do this. Uh, but here it is. Here's a video of Trump just showing his superior athletic ability in Iowa at a firehouse delivering eight pizzas. There's no way Biden could do that. Oh, look at the skill of this guy. He's just an athletic, you know, he's, he's very stable, very stable. I mean, if we're going to the if we're going to the whole thing where we got to nominate some senior citizen, at least we got a guy here that can walk. That's a big plus. That's a big plus. All right, enough of that. Delivering pizzas, we get it. Nice, good job, Trump. Good thing. It's it's amazing when our candidates we take pride that we have a candidate that can actually stand up and carry some boxes of pizza without falling over. That's the depth of the barrel that we've uh, reached here in America between our political uh, front runners for the Democratic and the Republican Party. Okay, let's get to this next story. Oh, yeah, here it is. Trump again saying a few words, uh, calling out Washington, D.C. Let's just get him. He's got his new white hat on. He's ready for these Iowa caucuses. He's, he wants to have the biggest caucus win uh, it, uh, that, that we've had in the Iowa caucus. And we will take over the horribly run capital of our nation. Horribly run. We have a capital that we all love. Right now, it's a rat-infested, graffiti-infested shithole. <laughs> Horrible. And well, he ain't lying, is he? Is he? No, I don't think so. Okay, and we're almost we're almost done. We're wrapping it up here. Uh, oh yeah. So also while he was in Iowa, he got interrupted. Mr. Trump did with some uh, climate change protesters. Uh, they fought through the 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 unbearable coldness in Iowa to come out and talk about global warming. Yeah, very interesting. Okay, let's take take a listen. I like the way he handled this. to mommy he's saying in the background good thing she's wearing a parka when she's yelling about global warming so young It's happened in two and a half or three years. That's the first. And she's so young. So young. So anyway, so young and immature. All right, enough of that. We get it. We get it. We see what happened. Yeah. He handled it, you know, kind of kind of gracefully for uh, you know, Mr. Trump. Uh, yeah, so that's it. That's what I'm wrapping up with right now. There's other news stories we could have talked about. Iran boarding a ship, another step into the possible World War III. We could have talked about some other things, but I think we've wrapped it up. We've covered enough. Uh, this has been Jake going down the rabbit hole. That is X. That is Twitter. So you don't have to covering some of the top stories that are out there. Uh, like subscribe, and I will talk to you later. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Happy MLK Day, people. Brother, we can't quit until we get our share.